0: in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. And that is Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 to 14. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. We are coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. <laughs> I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and in front of me, my co-host, Joey Velasquez. What's up? And like always, the president of this theological factory or theology factory. Is that that what it is? (laughs) The theology
1: theology factory. The theology factory. What's going on, everybody? (laughs) Steve
0: the Boston Hartog. Well, guys, how are we doing? Um, What's going on? What's new? Getting back to... uh
1: getting some traffic in here once again so yeah. that's been good
0: yeah uh bridge is officially open back again that's really nice yeah, it man. is
2: it feels good to film again and uh, everything
0: i know my my old chair definitely missed me so uh i got to spend the day just sitting there because uh he, he needed it so right. like norm <laughs> like norm yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, uh it, it is kind of uh, uh just crazy everything just going on we've been talking about this for weeks upon weeks on the podcast but Hopefully, uh, we start seeing uh, just the changes and reduction of the COVID 19 virus and start opening up the country again and maybe getting back to some uh, normalcy and just uh, everyday living. Um, so, it's I, been
1: good though, I think. It's been hmm. a good, uh, it's kind of been a, a reboot, hmm. I think, for a lot of people. And it's been good to unplug a little bit, actually. For a while and we've had some really good conversations you know mm. with people been able to help people and in, in uh you know finding some really good books and mm, bibles yeah. to read so it's it's been a blessing in many respects as well
3: yeah
2: god's definitely done some things during this time. So. yeah,
1: yeah I, I heard uh one of the brothers that
0: comes in here a lot he was just like i am sick of just doing all the zoom uh bible studies and stuff so that's understandable well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, this week, we have a second-time guest, Dr. Tim Trumper, on his book, Christianese or Christ, The Timely Challenge of Jesus' Parable of the Sower by Ephesians 3.20 Publishing. So, uh, Dr. Tim Trumpert uh, uh, helps out the ministry a lot with uh, the magazine. He does.
1: He does the Way magazine, and I've known Tim for 10, 12 years, I guess, and uh, really appreciate his teaching. He was pastor at 734, but up in Grand Rapids, and now he has his own ministry. So um, just a really good teacher, really solid, and uh, just a very, very humble guy, very pastoral as well. Good guy to talk to. So looking forward to the podcast.
0: Yes. And if you guys do want to listen to Dr. Tim Trumper, he was on episode 30 on the Doctrines of Grace series, and he did Irresistible Grace so, uh, please go back and check that podcast. And again, that's episode 30. Uh, you will be thoroughly blessed by that episode. I definitely was. So I, I believe
2: he yeah. also did a conference here at bridge, which is on Absolutely, YouTube. Absolutely, Yes. That's right. Check out our YouTube channel.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, plug in Joey. Yeah. And just so don't forget to, uh, subscribe to us at Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher radio. Um, We've uh, did a little updating on the website to make it a little bit easier to just access uh, some of the information. So really excited about that. And uh, bridge Ra- Bridge Ministries, excuse me, has teamed up with Sola media. So again, uh, for our listeners last week we had Julio, he came back that bum That's right. uh, as a guest. <laughs> So, uh, in if you guys uh, don't remember, uh, he left us and then decided to start his own media company. Uh, but now he we're teaming up with him, so we're super excited to have him and you we might we might we might see him and hear him a little bit more, so yeah, so yeah. he'll be back. he'll be back, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, so you guys want to get this uh, podcast started? Let's do it. Let's All do right. It. Dr. Tim Trumper is native of Wales. After graduating in politics from the University of Wales, Dr. Trumper trained for the ministry at Free Church of Scotland College in Edinburgh, now Edinburgh Theod- Theological Seminary. He is married to Brenda, and they love to travel, hike, cross-country, skiing, kayaking, and reading. Welcome back, Dr. Trumper, to Bridge Radio.
3: Oh, Thank you very much. My, pr- my privilege to be with you all.
0: So, uh, Dr. Trumper, did I miss anything? Do you do any like bear wrestling, mountain climbing, uh, (laughs) triathlons? I I feel that you're just, uh, being a little humble here with just some of the Uh, activities that you do.
3: I can assure you that my wife has introduced me to a lot of that and, um, she would not think it's exaggerated at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, no, um, it's a, it's a joy to have a wife who's uh, supportive in the ministry, but also tries to keep me well-rounded. So uh, uh, I'm not sure how successful she is, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's good to spend time with her.
0: Well, yes, uh, uh, you know, we appreciate uh, having you back. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Dr. Trumpert, uh was on episode 30 on the Doctrines of Grace a series, and he did Irresistible Grace. So please go back and check that episode. You will be thoroughly blessed. Um, so Dr. Trumpard, uh, your book, uh, Christianese or Christ, uh, I was just like, wow. Um, it, I, I was going through this and I was like, what a great book to do with a group of men or women, um, mm. as a study. Um, so, uh, so just to begin, Dr. Trumpert, why the title Christianese or Christ for your book?
3: Well, um, I'm not actually sure where the word Christianese came from. Mm. Um, It suddenly popped up in my mind as a way of uh, describing both what's going on in the parable, but also what's going on in the climate of the day. So the book arose from a sermon series back, I believe, in 2013, and it was one of those sermon series that came to mind at the heart lo- late in the day, um, but the Lord seems to have blessed because I think it connects what's going on in Jesus' ministry at the point at which he gives the parable, and I'm thinking specifically of uh, Matthew chapter 13, but also what's going on in the Western world today, and I'm thinking particularly of America where there seems to be something of a drift, mm. So the title was intended then to ask the question as to whether we are securely in Christ or whether we are simply professing to be Christ mm. in what has been largely a comfortable day in generation but is becoming less comfortable. And the question comes to us spiritually as to, you know, are we really sold out for Christ? Are we really claiming him not only to be our saviour, but our Lord, or in the context of the parable, uh, our king? And so I saw um, big points of contact between what Jesus was doing in the context, and you'll notice that the book spends a lot of time in the context. Yes. And then what is going on in, in American society today, and not simply American society, but British and Western society. And so the first chapter has to do with the parable for today, painting the picture of the sort of spiritual drift going on in our own day as a segue into the parable itself and what Jesus was trying to do, distinguishing the crowds around him from those who are actually entering into into the kingdom of heaven. So it's really a book which asks the question, am I, beginning with the author of the book, a biblical Christian, or am I simply a cultural Christian? Am I subject to Christ as Savior and Lord or King, or am I just playing games at being a Christian? And that's that's a serious question for me, and it's a serious question posed by the book.
0: Yeah, and as uh, uh, as uh, I was just uh, you start off in your book, uh, you give the parable of the sower, and I really like how. You really did that in uh, and, and, and you went ahead in Matthew 13 uh, one to twenty three. You also did Mark four and then Luke eight. Um, I'm uh, just to show the the parable and and how relevant that is just today and our moment in, in the moment in time that we're in in the church, which you know, I just found very interesting, like you said. I was like, yeah, this is this is this is us here. So yeah, I, I really appreciate that about the book.
3: Well, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that, and uh, as I say, I think in the uh, uh, the preface or introduction that um, the invitation to write the book came from the sermons itself heard over radio, and that I think has confirmed the Lord's leading to to preach the sermons in the first place, and then also to come and to come and write the book. And I'm glad to say that. Uh, it's now being translated into into Spanish for for listeners uh, specifically in South America and Central America. Really
0: does does Steve know that that's happening? I don't know.
3: I I believe I have mentioned that oh, okay. to him, but that's that's new news.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Nice. Well, we we need to, if he if you didn't, we'll remind him. if he did, we need to get that book. You know, just because you know where we're at, and I think that well, our, I... our Spanish community we thoroughly bless for sure.
3: Well, if I may speak a little bit about that and just say this is um, um, the idea of Reverend Bill Green, mm. who works for Reformed Missions based in San Jose, Costa Rica. And he read the book, and he said this would also hit the nail on the head for people in sort of a highly Catholicized culture mm. um, of a great pro- profession about Christ, although not simply Christ. Um, and, and how people are actually living out their lives from day to day.
1: Yeah,
0: no, absolutely agree with that. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see that in just in Spanish, for sure.
2: Now, Dr. are going back to the parable, how, how might Christians take this well-known parable and completely overlook its meaning?
3: Well, I'm not sure I'd say um, we need to completely revise what we understand about the parable, but my mm. mind goes back, if I may speak personally, to growing up in in a primary school, well, I didn't grow up in the primary school, but the, I went to the primary school. But growing up with the notion, not from my parents who are sound and very rooted in Scripture, but from the assemblies that we had in school in those days, and being taught, you know, that the parable is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and we tend to take these parables as as very bland. But in the seven parables or so in Matthew thirteen. Jesus is trying to wake up his hearers. Mm. And then when you come to the series of parables in Luke's Gospel, nearer to the cross, those parables have been described as a hand grenade lobbed into enemy territory. He's <laughs> really trying to explode the myths and the false religion yeah. of, of his critics and those who go on to, on to crucify him. So I think where I see the parable is really getting beyond the surface of our lives Mm. is in the idea of Jesus looking out from the boat, seeing this huge crowd before him, and proactively, in the words of Riddabos, drawing a line in his mind through this crowd, asking, in effect, as he gives the parable, who is in the kingdom and who is not? Mm. Who is listening to me because they're waiting for my next uh miracle my next hand-me-down mm. and who is listening to the parable because they have come to him as savior and are willing for him to reign over over their lives so that's um i think it's it's in the spiritual application that the parable really becomes uh very searching
0: yeah um and so, just to as we go into our next question here, um, you in your book you talk about the parable of the hearer. Um, how does the hearer or or the crowd play uh, the role in the parable of the sower uh, I believe that we tend to just uh, forget about the great multitude in the parable. We just kind of overlook mm-hmm. look at, especially in the beginning of the verse that mm-hmm. uh, that Jesus is talking about. And I know that you talk a little bit about. Uh, actually, a lot uh, about it in your book. So, uh... mm-hmm.
3: well, well, as a, as a preacher, I think uh, I, I have a great passion for expository preaching. Yes, but I think people sometimes wish that I would get more quickly to the text at hand <laughs> and skip over the context. <laughs> and so, I was pretty conscious in this book when you when you look at the whole of part one, the parable of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the kingdom, and then the parable and the crowds. I could hear my critics uh, looking over my shoulder saying, when are you gonna get to the parable? When are you gonna get to the parable? But unless you anchor the parable in its context, you're not really gonna understand it as well as you should. So one of the things I say in the book that the parable is actually a lot more complicated to explain than we might think. Because on the one hand, it's called the parable of the sower, and yet, the content of the parable has to do with these four soils. So you have to do justice to both what Jesus is saying about the sower, and he has his apostles in mind who are going out to preach. He also has his own preaching in mind as the ultimate sower. But then you have to do justice to the soils about which he's talking. So um, on the one hand, I think Jesus is training up his apostles, and hence he gives them the interpretation of the parable. But he's also conscious of those who have followed him round the lake, who have basically cornered him as he sits down in the boat as a rabbi to teach. So he's doing—he's doing—he's multitasking. He's speaking about his own ministry. He's training up the apostles for their ministry, but he's also talking about the crowds and basically saying to them, listen, you followed me, and Matthew goes into this about how the crowds have just flocked around Jesus for the miracles of healing, uh, the feeding, etc., etc. But he's saying, now I want to thin out the crowd. I need to thin out the crowd because it's not enough simply to be around me you have to be actually subject to me if you're going to be, be my uh, my disciple, my follower. So you're right that not enough has been paid to, to the crowds, and I try in the book to, to balance um, the multiple applications of, of the parable.
0: I mean, I personally overlooked it, and when I was reading your book, I was like. <laughs> Abe, you forgot about the crowd and the the people listening. So it was just really amazing that you just brought that out, and I really appreciated that.
3: Well, of course, in the background, you know, drawing the connection between what's going on today and what's going on in Jesus' time, I am very mindful that we are, unless God revives his church, living out a period of church life in America in which things might not be the same we have huge edifices, church buildings, many of which are are emptying out. And I think one of the reasons it's emptying out is that when Christianity was popular in America, when it was comfortable in America, it was easy to go to church. Mm. But now, as in the political realm, in um, the university realm, that Christianity has been marginalized and pushed to the borders whereby you can say you're attached to church, but don't mention the name of Jesus. It's really begging the question of us. Are we in Christ or are we not? Are we in Christ what we can, or professing to be in Christ what we can get out of him? Or are we genuinely and authentically belonging, belonging to Christ? So that's, that's uh, really the context there.
0: Yeah, I really like in your uh, in your book, uh, one part you said, many do not want to leave behind the Christian faith altogether. So they opt for congregations with fewer expectations about worship and service and because of their size with less accountability for their attendance. Mm-hmm. Thus, the church, which appears highly success- successful on the surface of things, might not be quite so st- stellar, when considered in terms of discipleship. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did mark that because I believe that it's true as we are in the church, there is a lot of just uh, very superficial Christianity um, Mm -hmm. where um, I I almost think that we do play church um, Mm -hmm. um, and we just go, uh, especially um, when we feel like we just need to go to church to check off some uh, 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 list, you know, of things that w- we need to do, and and forget about just uh, the relationship of Christ.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's happened to me many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you become legalistic and you start focusing on, oh man, I haven't read today, but you're you're kind of saying that just because you feel like it's a must in a sense that it's like, well, like you said, like a checklist. But Mm -hmm. the one thing we don't ask ourselves is, man, did I did I pursue Jesus today because I really want to know him and draw closer to him? Or did I just, you know, read my Bible just to read it?
0: Or am I just one of those sitting in sitting in the pews or sitting in a chair that is really, truly not a believer? Yeah. Mm. Yeah,
3: Yes, because those who are looking at um, the church today are are saying that. uh, you know, the mega churches are getting mega and mega, mm-hmm. and the smaller churches are getting smaller and smaller, and the churches of 500 or so are dying out. And so you you have this drift towards uh, the mega church, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to say that all mega churches are unfaithful, or I don't mean to come across um, churlish about, about mega churches, um, but there is a temptation for people as the smaller churches get smaller to say the cost of church life is too much mm. so i'm taking my family off to off to the uh, to the mega church we can sit anonymous on the back rows uh, there might not be any uh, expectation that we'll become members uh, the elders of the church if they have elders may not even know us and so we can still ke- keep our, our christian veneer and yet the sense of being uh, committed sacrificial disciples has gone. And so people are, uh, whereas they used to go to church twice a Sunday, some are going now just once a Sunday, and those who went once a Sunday are going two or three times a month. So they're saying that the actual number of people in church has not decreased. What has decreased is the amount of commitment to people um, attending the assembly of God's people. Now, of course, um, uh, there is, as you've pointed out, the danger of legalism, mm. and there has been some reaction um, about the legalism of the past, but I think mm. the pendulum has so swung yes. now that we need to say, okay, if we really love Christ, and it's all about loving Christ, mm. then how in concrete ways does that love show itself in the details of our living? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think uh and I think that James is very clear about that when we read um mm-hmm. James.
2: So Dr. Trumper, uh can you please talk about Jesus's explanation on each seed um of each seed? The seeds on the road, the seeds on the rocky place, and the seeds on the thorns.
3: Uh yes, well that that brings us to the second part of the book where you get into the, into the meat of the meat of the parable and I I felt in some ways that that might be a difficult thing to do because everybody um, anticipates what you're going to say. Mm. Um, but but digging into it without forgetting that the parable is a parable, yeah. I saw the seed landing upon the path as the depiction of the gospel harvest. Um And the seed of the word doesn't get, Um, into the heart very far if it gets into the heart at all there are certain cracks in the path where the seed may land Mm. but Jesus says that uh, the birds of the air come and they pick away the seed well why did they pick away the seed? because the seed is on top of the soil you think of a Middle Eastern hard baked soil or it's trampled underfoot you think of a path running alongside the field so that's the word which is preached, and it has absolutely no effect upon the hearer. And um, certain illustrations are given in the book of, of how I have experienced uh, preaching and understanding that, okay, the word is just not penetrating because people have a hardened heart and they don't want to receive the word. And then you have the the seeds, that falls on the rocky ground, it actually gets into the soil. But of course, thinking again of the Middle East, there's probably a lot of rocks beneath the surface. And so the seed, it falls on the rock. Uh, There may be a little bit of puddle of water there, but um, because the seed has fallen on the rocky ground, it cannot penetrate to the deeper um, sources sources of water because the rock is is precluding that so the the seed springs up it grows up straight away, but then when persecution comes, the cares of this world come it it withers as as quickly as as it grew and and that I think jesus is applying to the person who is very willing to profess their faith they they come to the church they um get involved in everything going. They make a loud noise about how they've come to Christ. And they're gone as quickly as they came. And again, illustrations are, are given of that. And then the third seed uh, landing amongst the thorns. It's interesting. We're not told how the thorns get there. But of course, Jesus would have been more familiar with thorns than than anybody else who's listening to him. Because he knows that the thorns are part of uh, the fall and how the thorns choke the seed. The seed cannot gain the benefit of the light from the sun. And so it tries to grow, but it cannot because of of the thorns of sin in the life. And um, I apply that to those who... Um, show promise of responding to the word but um, the sins choke the word and and preclude them from, from growing and give an appeal for parents in particular to, to really teach their children before the thorns of sin grow, grow in their lives. And then of course the, the fourth seed is the seed that falls on the good ground. Mm. Uh, we're not saying that um, three types of person have evil hearts and Another type of person has a good heart, and it's because his heart is good that the seed grows. I think that's, that's reading into the parable what's not there. Mm. But rather, Jesus is saying there will be fruit for the ministry of the word. Um, there will be seed that is sown that brings forth 30-fold, uh, 60-fold, 100-fold. Um, so he, he leaves with this encouragement as to, um, as to the ministry of the word.
0: Yeah, and that just uh, reminds me uh, that we are not all going to produce the same type of fruit. Some yields will be larger than others,
2: you know? Mm-hmm. Dr. Trumper, what would you say to someone who would, I guess, say that the seed that landed, or the the one that has thorns, is actually someone who was saved, but then later on fell away?
3: Um, I've not heard that argument made. I think that would be more <laughs> the one that... The lands on on the rocky ground. Um, well, I think we'd we'd say that uh, they weren't converted in the first place. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, that um, when God saves us, He not only gives us saving grace, but He gives us the grace to endure. And it's the enduring that is, or the persevering, which is part of the evidence that we've actually been converted. Hmm. So I think we need. That's that's another reason why we need to be very mindful of the type of genre we're dealing with, or the figure of speech that we're dealing with when we come to to something like the parable of the sower. Not to press it beyond what was originally intended.
2: Right, and I, I ask that because on behalf of those that you know that I've those people that I've met who actually believed that. Um, the good soul isn't the only one that means that that person was saved, but that the other ones just mean that they fell away. Um, so I just wanted a clarification on that for them.
3: Well, well, thank you. Um, what I what I would probably say to that is, well, you need to look at the parable. We need to look at the parable in the context of the whole of Scripture. Yeah. And you need, when we come to interpret Scripture, we go to the more straightforward portions to interpret the more difficult portions. I don't think we would hang a whole doctrine of being able to fall from grace on a parable when there are so many other straightforward statements which say that that's not possible. I think, Mm. for instance, of Jesus' words to uh, Simon Peter in Luke 22, um, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers hmm. so um our our persevering in the christian faith is not down to to us it's it's down to the person and the promises of the lord jesus christ that he'll never let us down he'll never let us go and, and so we need to interpret the parable along those lines And and i bring to bear in the book my own my own testimony of having made a, a false profession of faith at the age of eight and then coming at the age of 15 to realize that it was a false profession of faith. Mm. And, and I make an appeal in the book that if there are people reading the book who know that that is also true of them, to face the issue head on and to come clean with God and to come clean with themselves and say, okay, I was never a believer in the first place. I need to start from scratch, and I can just testify as to how liberating that is. To come face to face and say, my profession was a false profession. Now I'm free to seek God um, without any sense of hypocrisy or uh, to be transparent, because God knows what goes on in the in the uh, inner person, the inner man.
0: I heard a pastor uh, say that one of the most exciting things that he loves to see is when uh, church members who have been sitting. In, in the pew for 20 years come to salvation um hmm. he and i was like wow uh, and, he, and he was just talking about people who were just have sat in the church their whole lives but were not mm-hmm. really truly saved and have come mm-hmm. to s- saving faith as faith has god drew drew himself to them at that time so yeah um, so we were just talking about the seeds uh, earlier on, Dr. Trumper, you were talking about the, uh, the soil. How important is the soil in this parable without reading in too much?
3: <laughs> well, I think, I think it's very important. Um, although the parable is called the parable of the sowers, as I've said, it's mainly about the soil. Yeah. So Jesus Jesus is basically saying to the crowds before him, listen, it's, it's, it's all very nice you having an interest in me, following me in your crowds, your droves. But I'm far more interested in the state of your heart than I am in your physical presence about me. And I think that really speaks to today. When you look out upon a congregation and you preach this parable, what you're really saying is while it's nice to have crowds in church, God, from his omniscient perspective, knowing all things, is far more interested in the state of people's hearts than whether um, they are attending to the, the externals of the Christian faith. And so that's where we must begin. What is going on in the hearts of hearers of the word? Now, of course, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. And one of the things that I appeal to on the basis of the parable is that we sow the word of God with abandon. That we scatter the seed far and wide. The The parable, the sower doesn't take one seed at a time. Yeah. Uh, trying to determine which is the good soil and placing the seed on what he determines the good soil. He doesn't know infallibly, so he He scatters the seed, and he does so knowing that some will be wasted, but he does so also knowing that um, God has been preparing the hearts and minds of his people, and that where there is the elect, there will be fruit.
2: Yeah, wow. Now, Dr. Trumper, uh, looking at the church today, what warnings or cautions should we take away from Jesus' parable of the sower and how the pastor should apply these truths to the sheep.
3: Well, thank you. I, I, th- I think the, the parable is actually, first of all, for preachers. Mm. Um, uh, are we sowing the seed as Christ would sow the seed? In other words, is the Word of God, which is the seed of God, front and center in our ministries? So when I, as a preacher, look at this parable, I think not so much of what it ought to mean to those to whom I preach, but what should it mean to me? Um, Am I giving people the Word of God? Mm. Or am I giving them lectures in self-help? Or um, giving a Christian spin on the headlines that have been in the news this week? Or am I telling stories about myself uh, on the pretext of dealing with the text of Scripture, but the text only serves as a soundbite? So the question then comes to the preacher, first and foremost, is our ministry really capturing the heart of Jesus' ministry? And the heart of Jesus' ministry was not simply to collect um, a huge amount of hearers about him, but to see people converted and to see people living under the reign of Jesus Christ. Now, if in our culture big is beautiful, we really need to reverse that way of thinking and say that big is not necessarily beautiful. Mm. Noah preached for a hundred years and he only took his family onto the ark. Mm. Isaiah was told to preach until only a tenth of the people were left. Jesus, at the end of his ministry, had 120 people in the upper room, 500 in Galilee. And so he uses the parable actually to disseminate the crowd. Mm. He's only interested, at the end of the day, in disciples. Yes, he goes on still, after these parables, to, to feed the crowds. But his priority is those who are listening to the word and coming under the word. So I think the parable has an, uh, has an immense amount to say in our celebrity culture, mm. because if if preachers really followed through on what Jesus is saying, you would expect quite a number of them to be fired from the churches, mm. unless the elders and the deacons get on board with Jesus' parable and say okay, we weigh our pastor's ministry not by whether the pews are full, but by how many are becoming fully-fledged, sacrificial disciples of Jesus Christ. And if that happens, the church remains small, you still have a faithful ministry. And that's that's what we need to be turning our attention to. By the same token, you can have a church that's bursting to overflowing, or even a stadium. But if the Word of God is not front and center, then that is not a faithful ministry. So I think it applies, first of all, to preachers, and then, secondly, to 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 hearers. And how are they receiving the Word? Um, and how are they understanding the Word that's being preached? It's, it's really interesting, isn't it, that um, preachers in our days are under a lot of pressure— to dumb down their sermons yeah oh people people are not understanding the ministry you've got to dumb it down well here is jesus giving an everyday mundane parable and he's saying in the midst of the parable three out of four will not understand what i'm preaching
0: Mm -hmm. and 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 Doctor uh, I'm really happy that you brought that up. What would what would you say to the the shepherd or the preacher about the temptations about doing that and just trying to, as they say, we need to dumb this down. Like if if by dumbing it down or uh, that's going to bring more people to to salvation. I, 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 I'm trying to. I'm just trying to <laughs> articulate in my head as I ask that question.
3: Well, I I think, um, you know, if people think that the preaching of the gospel is just a technique rather than an attempt under the ministry of the Holy Spirit working through his Word to bring the dead to life, Mm -hmm. then they're not going to get what he's doing. Mm -hmm. I think what we need to do is train our people to say the word of God is spiritually discerned, not intellectually discerned. And to go to a passage like uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So if somebody comes to me and says, oh, your sermons are uh, too deep, they're too long, I would probably say, well, do you do you read the Bible during the week? Um do you have a heart to understand what is being said? Do you understand that I can simplify the message, I can shorten the message? And there's certainly a place for that. And people may still not understand. Yeah. And the, the example I give in the book is um, preaching uh, in 2018 in, in uh, the Kenyan desert. And I preach on the, the passage from Joshua 24. We, we know it from verse 15. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But there's so much more in the passage. And I'm, I'm speaking about the importance of Christians serving the Lord. And we get to the end of the, um, the message, and this lady comes forward. I haven't invited anybody forward. She just comes forward. And the leadership of the church say to me, um, she has troubles she she needs you to pray for her so she's there on the floor the the front of the church crouched over i think she's depressed because that's basically what i've been told so i and the pastor pray over this lady and then she gets lost in the crowd and we go off um following the service the leadership of the church later came to me that day and said listen her name is akitella um She's been under the witch doctor. And when she heard from Joshua 24, Joshua saying, forsake the idols on the other side of the river and come and worship the Lord your God. She, in an instance, and remember, she can't understand English. The sermon was through translation. She deduces under the power of the Holy Spirit, I must leave the witch doctor and come and fall before the Lord. Wow. So she wasn't, she wasn't depressed at all. Well, she, she may have been, but I think what was going on was she was in the throes, the agonies of wrenching herself by the power of the Spirit away from the witch doctor to the Lord. Wow. And I came back I came back to Grand Rapids, the city of churches, and said, in effect, don't ever tell me again to dumb down the sermon. <laughs> oh, I said, L- listen, listen to the story of Akitella. Never been to the church before. She sees this white man, Mazongo as they call me, or <laughs> white people, preaching this message, not in her language, the same mm. exposition that I was giving in North America. Uh, through translation, she hears one sentence and comes forward to leave the, the witch doctor. Mm. Wow. And all, all praise and glory to God. Yes. It's, it's a miracle when people believe. It's a miracle when people repent. And I think we need in the Western world to get away from this uh, technique of preaching whereby if we just are so culturally relevant, so uh, in tune with where people are at, then they will flock into the kingdom. Jesus is saying they won't. It's, It's a mighty work of God. And for that, we need to pray.
2: Amen. And the the funny thing with these parables is that sometimes we do tend to miss little details. And one thing that came to mind as you were saying all this about, you know, people that dumbed down the gospel and everything is that in the parable of the sower, the soil is different, but the seed is always the same one. So exactly. when when the gospel is preached, the hearts, the, the reason people receive it and others don't isn't because the message was different. I mean, it, sh- mm-hmm. it can be, but the reason people receive it isn't because it was a greater message, but it's because of just the soil it landed on. And um, this might kind of be a little bit off topic, but I remember I have an atheist friend who basically just says, well, if God's real, then why doesn't he just do miracles today and prove himself to me? And I told him, well, don't you realize that God did that to people? And even then they didn't believe. So it's Hmm. one thing to witness Jesus. It's another to really receive him and actually – Follow him because these people heard Jesus' preaching but yet rejected him. So we can't say that we preach better than Jesus did.
0: And Jesus even said no. that in, in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Even um, raising someone from it, the dead won't even, make them believe. Yeah, even raising somebody won't make them believe. Yeah. So. so I
2: don't
3: know. What well, uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> the, obvious, the obvious thing about uh, the New Testament is, which we tend to forget and which people tend to forget, if they're looking for success ratios, then Jesus was a failure. Mm. You know, he uh, he preached until the crowds were thinned doubt. Um, <laughs> if if Jesus was preaching in North America today, if I may say it reverently, yes, he would have been fired halfway through his ministry. Mm. You know, if you had thousands of people listening in a in a church building, and then within a year and a half, you're down to hundreds, and then. Uh, people are so opposing you that they then go on to crucify you. It, you know, it's it, the words of the Lord through Isaiah the prophet are very, uh, very germane to this parable. Mm. Uh, my ways are not your ways. Mm. My ways are higher than your ways. And um, and if if we're going to apply this um, this parable then to hearers as well as to preachers, I would say for those who know. To the assurance of the Holy Spirit that they are in the kingdom of heaven, then there is a great, great responsibility for us to start filling prayer meetings to call upon the name of the Lord for the success of the ministry of the word. And um, and I think part of the problem we are facing in America today is that the, the prayer meeting is the least popular meeting in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. A.W. Tozer, I believe, said that it's the only meeting in the life of the church where God is the only entertainment.
0: Mm. Yeah.
3: And that's why it's empty. We yeah. don't believe it takes a miracle to bring somebody from death to life.
0: Yeah. That's uh, really interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking about the Wednesday night uh, prayer service at, uh, at my old church in Chicago before I moved down to Texas. Um, you know, on Sundays it was packed, but man, uh, Wednesday night prayer service that thing was just dead uh, mm-hmm. but uh I I do appreciate the the people that were there uh just getting down on their knees and shouting out to God in prayer um as uh, as as sheep uh together mm-hmm. and I'm just like man how, why are people why why would they want to miss out on this you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah no that that's uh that's so true uh, dr Trump, well yeah go ahead, go ahead.
3: Mm-hmm. if I may well uh, one of the questions that arises why why does um, Jesus deal with the good soil last mm. and it seems to me he deals with the good soil last because people tend to come to the church before they come to Christ um, because we have hearts of bad soil before we mm. are given by the Holy spirit a heart of good soil mm. and because we tend to be professing disciples before we're actually authentic disciples. But uh, that's that's what we need to to pray, that um, in the, the thinning out of the church today of cultural Christians, mm. that those who are genuinely in the kingdom really rise to um, the wonderful task, but also privilege we have of imploring God to come and to give fruit from the preaching of the Word. Yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs> Dr. Trumper, that went quick. But um, yeah. Romans 10.14, uh, Dr. Trumper says, how then would they call on him whom they have not believed, and how would they believe in him who they have not heard, and how would they hear without a preacher? Dr. Trumper, can you please share the gospel today with our listeners worldwide?
3: Well, gladly so, yes. Uh, well, in line with um, how the book ends, I would, I would give three pieces of advice. One, um, to get yourself under the Word of God. Um, to open up a Bible, find a Bible, read the Bible, and you will find that Christ is revealed uh, throughout the Scriptures. Um, Jesus himself said of the Scriptures, uh, John 5:39 39, these are they which speak of me. And to come to the Scriptures and say, where is Christ and what has he got to do with me? And then I would say, as you as you read the word of God, pray to God. One, that he would show you himself. Two, that he would show you yourself as a sinner. And three, that he would show you Jesus Christ and how as both the God, uh, as the God man, he has the ability and uh, the uh, positioning to save your soul to the uttermost. Because he's divine, he has the power to do it. And because he's human, He had the capacity to suffer in your place at the cross. And in uh, turning to God through Christ, uh, to receive him not only as Savior, but as Lord of your life, and to rejoice in the reign of Christ, because the uh, reign of Christ is, is relevant in the sense that you need somebody as I need somebody, and I found him in Christ, to subdue our sins within and to protect us from from the world and the devil so uh come to faith in the lord jesus christ uh, he'll never let you down he will he will never let you go but it's important to get into the word uh, in order to hear the good news of jesus christ and i pray that uh, what happened to Akikella there in the kenyan desert um, may happen to you as well as god frees you from enslavement to sin enslavement to satan and enslavement to the world and brings you into the freedom and the liberty that is, uh, is promised,
0: uh, those in, in Jesus Christ. Amen. man. Uh, so that's, uh, Dr. Tim Trumpert on his book, Christianese or Christ, the timely challenge of Jesus parable of the sower. Dr. Trumpert, where can our listeners find you, find your book besides here at bridge ministries, um, and I don't know if you want to get be uh, uh, want to be found, but uh, where, where can they find you on social media? Or you know, yeah, where can they just find you?
3: <laughs> well, um, the book can be found through Amazon outlets. Um, um, we're in the process. We have a ministry called Promise Fullness Ministries, mm. preaching, teaching, and publishing Christ in and for the global context. And we're in the middle of um, redoing our website, but. At, www.fromhisfullness.com. Um, so we have a Facebook page from His Fullness as well, and uh, it's our privilege to to go to different countries preaching, preaching and teaching. And so please do contact us if you want an email address uh, from His Fullness at mail.com, not Gmail, just mail.com. We're glad to uh, fellowship with you and to to uh, be of any service to you that we can be.
0: Yeah. And please, guys, go get this book. And I mean, you would be thoroughly blessed if you did this in a group. There are questions uh, at the end of each chapter. Um, I I mean, we we, we barely touched the surface on this book. You know, when we do podcasts, it's really difficult to get through the book. You know, we're always trying to uh, highlight the main points. But please, please go. Please go get the book. Dr. Tumper, thank you very much for coming on Ridge Radio this week. Uh, I have been thoroughly blessed uh, this week uh, just with uh, your book, and just thank you. Thank you very much.
3: Oh, well, thank you. It's uh, it's a privilege to speak to you all again and to, uh, to commend the words of Jesus. Um, and uh, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you.
0: Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode uh again this is christianese or christ the timely challenge of jesus parable of the sower by dr tim Trumper. um so please go out and get it uh joy what did you think about the podcast this week
2: it was great man i mean i really liked hearing from dr trumper again i remember meeting him before i started working here at bridge Mm. um and to our listeners, if you haven't read this book, make sure you have read the parable first <laughs> in the in scripture. And uh, but yeah, it's it's really interesting to, to dive into a parable. I mean, a whole book on that one parable. that's, yeah. that's intense. It's a whole book. It's a whole
0: book. But yeah, um, yeah. Please go out and get the book. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. So um, just uh, want to give a quick shout out to our international audience. Again, our. Our United Kingdom listeners, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, our, our, our stateside listen, listeners, uh, we, we just have our local following here in Laredo, our, our Texas listeners, our California listeners. Uh, this week we also uh, uh, been picking up a lot of St. Louis and Virginia listeners. So that's really, really awesome. Thank you again, you guys, uh, for tuning in. Um, and please if God uh, stirs your heart to give to this ministry we can only put on these podcasts because of your kind kind donation Uh, and we are still looking for a building so uh, please we'll take a penny you guys heard me say before uh, this ministry is just bursting uh, at the seams Uh, we are a very small ministry uh, just about 2,000 square foot Uh, there's a lot going on here and we are a Ministry on a border town, and I think that uh, if we're able, by God's grace and His will, uh, get a, a bigger building, I think it would be awesome for the community. Uh, make sure to uh, follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, and is there anywhere else I'm missing? Uh,
2: no that's, Gen- that's, that's that's all
0: yeah uh, and please check out our our youtube videos with leanne with story time yeah. uh those have been really good for our uh kids uh, kids yeah so that's awesome
2: especially during the quarantine yeah they especially used be, they used to be here in person but because of this whole corona thing leanne and i started filming these story yeah. time videos and today's was actually a lot better than the previous ones that we've done so yeah quarantine. so all
0: the videos you guys see is from uh uh, Joey, And he does a wonderful job on those videos. He's very talented. So um, unless it's bad, then, you know. No. <laughs> when,
2: when the video is bad, it wasn't no, me. No. It was Abe. Yeah, it was me.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, like we always end this podcast, uh, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Till next week. Later, guys.
2: Goodbye.